Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. We're back, both wearing the backwards hats, both having the white backgrounds because Josh got tired of being, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're tired of being a vegan, man, so you got rid of the grass behind you. I get it. I get that's what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, I felt I felt too Austin-y. I felt too granola head. I needed to change it up, and now I'm going straight white background to match you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you were very hipster in Austin. You really are like one of those guys now. Down, there. you've been in bed in Austin for how, how long? Have you been living in Austin for? Four years. Four, Four years. years. So yeah, and now I'm, I'm basically I'm basically a Texan at this point. I should uh, I should have a, a big old Texas tattoo or something on my body. Or at least just a to cowboy show my hat. Pride. Pride for this, yeah, for a cowboy hat or some cowboy boots or something. I need something. I don't know. At some point, you'll get there. I mean, what you maybe maybe what you need is a billion dollars, Josh. Maybe you need a billion dollars, like Quest just got from from selling the company. Now, listen, this today's podcast should be fun because it's a little bit more businessy than it has been in recent episodes. But uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on in terms of like M and A's, mergers and acquisitions within the sports nutrition space, and it's also a space in which big CPG or consumer packaged goods companies are looking at and taking a hard look at because it's their functional foods and their things that are out in our space that have been around maybe for a while that now are sort of, you know, we used to call them tipping trends. And at some point something kind of knocks that tipping trend over into basically the trend. And now these big CPG companies are scrambling to try to buy them up where they can. And we want to talk about that in terms of like, do we see this happening more and more or what's going on? But first off, I know you covered the quest acquisition, um, which was huge. It was in the biggest news probably in the last, you know, year in terms of like acquisitions that I can remember for sure. Um, were you surprised by it? I wouldn't say I'm surprised by it. I, mean, I think it was one of those things that for the last few years, they've been kind of sniffing around and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what, who would want them, what would make sense. Um, I think a lot of people that were looking at the Quest Nutrition asset, the name, was really trying to figure out if Quest Nutrition could be more than just Quest Bar. And I think that these last couple of years, they've been able to kind of progress from just the bar and into more what they call like platform offerings, like be able to be in other parts of food, drug, mass convenience type of retailer. So they have the Quest pizzas, the Quest chips, the you know cookies they have ready to mix. They have a bunch of other things. But it's one of those things where I think a lot of people were waiting to see if they could execute on some of those plans, which they have. And then you know it was kind of prime for somebody to purchase them. Yeah, I mean, they had a huge market share in that category. I remember when I was at Mills and we were talking before we started recording, like we made a play at them at Journal Mills because essentially what we had, we had this chart set up in front of us in terms of like the snack bar category. And it's like, okay, what, what are, which niche do we fall in? And you have, you have Nature Valley being like old world and this is the type of consumer you reach. And you had, you know, the organic, which was like Cascadian Farmer Annie's. But one place that we didn't have is what they called basically muscle up or performance bars. And Quest was number one. And that was like the, the seeking brand that you'd want to be. And instead of trying to build a brand from scratch, it made more sense for us to scrap up some cash and make an offer to Quest to see if they could actually come under the General Mills umbrella. Ultimately, that did not happen. But, I mean, we weren't the only big Fortune 500 company looking at them. Many, many were. And then, obviously, the deal, uh, they, they, they cashed out on a deal here late last week or two weeks ago that is, what was like? It was like 12x multiple or what was it, 20x multiple? I think it was close to like 14x multiple, and that was based also around like some synergy um, savings and things like that. But a lot of people were fixated around that uh, multiple because it just normally it's not as high as that. I did look back at a few recent deals, and one that is kind of really close to it is RX Bar, mm-hmm. which they also got about, a, I think it was 12 or 13x on their multiple as well. So it's not unheard of what 
Quest got. It was just a little bit interesting because Quest had fallen off a little bit in terms of where they were from like their hyper growth when they first started. When their private equity firm uh, that was a part of VMG Partners, like when they um, made an investment in them, they were growing much quicker. Quest was growing much quicker. And then over the next couple of years, they kind of had a little bit of, of uh, erosion of the protein bars. But then, like I said, they had some other platform offerings that took some of that revenue and kind of brought it back. So I think it became more attractive um, to Simply Good Foods. I think it also just complements their offerings because mm -hmm. that's the parent company to Atkins, the, the yep. you know, the low carb, uh, high protein, old school, like fad diet uh, brand. If anybody's listening to this and, and has, has done it, I'm sure uh, you remember those, but yeah. they've kind of transformed themselves a little bit away from like this hardcore Atkins diet uh, products and more just the idea of like low sugar, high protein, which is very similar to what Quest is all about. Yeah, I think it's great. I love I love this whole philosophy of like acquisitions and I like to see what did the brands do to build themselves up to the value in which required or which allowed them to get acquired for such an, a, a nice payout. And it's always interesting to watch like the next six to eight to, to 12 months to see what brands do with it. Because you and I have, have seen many acquisitions in which at one point were, were paid a lot of money for um, just kind of go in the shitter. And then, like you look at EAS, for instance, right? Abbott acquired EAS and they just they let that go. And you've talked about this multiple times, how you just kind of let the brand go. Um, SlimFast, for instance, was acquired for a ton of money. Then they kind of like let that go. Then they sold off for basically nothing. And now SlimFast is back on the up and up again, carrying some of the revenue growth. Um, what do you think Simply Foods does with Quest? I mean, do you think that they continue to continue growth or do you think they hit a, hit a roadblock here? Because they're not, maybe they're not really, it's hard to say because Quest isn't necessarily like a hardcore sports nutrition brand. They are very functional food and they do, um, you know, they, they do relate to so many people, including families, so they might have a little better bet with it. But do you foresee them being successful with Quest? I think they will. I mean, I think Quest overall has built a really strong brand. Like a lot of people are loyal to Quest. They've kind of transcended just the idea of the, the protein bar that kind of made them. And if you follow any of their social media or anything like that, they have a ton of engagement. They have mm -hmm. a ton of just really unique marketing things that they do. So I think with having the parent company of Atkins and having them be very successful in like food drug mass and having their um, kind of expertise, they have really good operators within that business. They come from a really great background. So I think that that business on its own, Simply Good Foods has done extremely well over the last like year and a half that they've been um, been bought by the company that, that kind of created Simply Good Foods. Uh, so I think this is going to be a great play for them to have Quest. I think it's a very different brand than what they have now. So I think that they're definitely going to have to make sure that the people that are inside of Quest right now, like the true people that are driving the culture and driving the innovation there, they need to keep them around. But you know, we'll see. I mean, I, it's you made a point about a bunch of you know different acquisitions, and some fail, some do really well. And it always comes down to within those four walls of the acquirer: are they willing to listen? Are they willing to maybe take some of the um, learnings from the smaller acquisition uh, brand that they bought? There's a lot of different things that happen within that kind of transition phase that could potentially either totally derail the brand. Uh, they strip everything away mm -hmm. from them and just kind of try to you know, extract as much value as possible, or do they let them spread their wings under all these new resources and let them you know, try to do some really great things? Because now you don't really have a lot of the restraints that you were working with before if you only had your own capital right. to kind of fund your growth with. 
it's always interesting too is the brand who acquires the other company, right? Some so they they have philosophies in terms of their acquisition strategy. One philosophy is like you force your culture, you force your your policies onto that brand you just acquired. So Simply Foods could say like, you know what, Quest, you're going to become us. What was interesting when I was at Mills, we acquired. Um, Epic bars or Epic Provisions, which is like the meat bars, which is down by you in Austin of all places, right? Um, we didn't force culture on them. We let them stay in Austin. They had their headquarters in Austin. We kept the owners on and we let them do and basically act as if they never changed. Now they just have a cash flow thing. And they've done extremely well in terms of distribution and growth. Same thing with sort of like Annie's when I was there. Um, and even, um, you know, you look at Blue Buffalo Dog Food. When we acquired them when I was there. We let them still be their thing. Now, obviously, you put some policies in. You try to share HR responsibilities and where you can get synergies in terms of cost savings. But that was General Mills' way of doing it. Now, not everybody does it that way. So do you, from your experience within, like, the consulting space and working, like, at Whole Foods and other places that you work with and you see these corporate umbrellas, have you seen one way be better than the other or does it, does it, is it kind of, like, indifferent? I think it depends on when you purchase it, like which cycle that brand is in. And then also like, what is the culture of that brand? Like what is maybe their core values or whatever you made it, you know, an example of like Epic provisions, like they're very big on sustainability mm -hmm. and big on, um, just, I think like meat, um, just the way that everything's raised and, right. and everything. Like so for them to, for, you know, general mills to come in and, and really kind of button down a lot of maybe the way that they spend money that maybe doesn't make sense to general mills. It would, totally erode the brand equity and the story behind epic provisions. But, you know, in another sense, like sometimes you have a company like Glambia that goes out and buys SlimFast where SlimFast didn't really have all that much like culture equ equity within those four walls. So they had to really drive the Glambia way within that. And it's worked extremely well mm -hmm. for SlimFast. But it kind of can go both ways. It just kind of depends on the the company that's getting acquired, like which cycle they're in, maybe also which uh, brand values and things they have around them. It just, you know, it, it all kind of goes down to the devils in the details mm -hmm. with those types of things. Uh, but, it, you know, this, this can kind of go in a bunch of different ways. We started this out by just kind of talking about just the amount of like acquisitions that have started to kind of happen. I know there's always this recency type of uh, a thing, but I, I tried to look at, you know, just the last probably decade or so of transactions to try to figure out if there were any patterns or whatever. And what you're noticing, at least at the last probably year, year and a half, is that it's a lot around protein bars or just nutritional bars in yep. general. So even just this year, you had like Perfect Snacks, which was majority bought by Mondelez. You had you know, Quest, which we're talking about right now. And then what just came out uh, yesterday as, as I was taping this today is, is one brands, the mm -hmm. one bar was purchased uh, by Hershey's. So this is kind of becoming a little bit of a trend where if you have a high protein, a nutritional type of a bar, it seems to be the hot target for these strategic investors. Mm -hmm. And, but that wasn't always the case. I mean, before that, it was like vitamins. And before that, it was, you know, maybe some sports nutrition or whatever. So it kind of goes in cycles. But right now, we're in this phase of just seems like functional foods. We talk about those that word a lot on this podcast or even on individual, our content we create. But that seems to be the hot button right now where people are trying to gobble up these, um, you know, functional food protein bars right. or other nutritional bar type of things. I think there's just a legitimacy in the category as a whole. You remember when... Maybe you were in college, like you never seen people walk around with like a protein bar, you know, maybe we did, maybe some of our friends, but it really wasn't all that common. No. Where now, if you go to an airport, you see a grandma 
that's has a protein bar or some type of nutritional bar with her. Uh, and it's just a different phase of that category's like maturity or validation. And, you know, I would expect more companies uh, probably to get acquired here in the next you know, 12 to 18 months, depending on um, maybe some market things and you know, stuff that's outside mm. of just, hey, these are, this is a great category. This is a great brand to yeah. purchase. Well, back to, I mean, Quest kind of built this category up. I mean, there was Power Bar was primarily the brand prior to Quest. And those things tasted like shit. I mean, they were hard. They didn't have a good taste to it. Quest came in, had four grams of net carbs with what they were using, their sugar alcohols or ISO, whatever they were doing, um, and it changed the way. And they tasted good. And people were like, holy shit, this, I get a 20-gram protein bar with four grams of carbs. This is unbelievable, um, which then allowed one brand to come out, or ISS Research at the time, to develop the one bar. And for a while, Josh, you remember like, when one bar was, was, was gaining on Quest? And one bar at one point was like right there head and head with Quest. Um, now, you, now you look at what happened in the last week. Quest got acquired for basically 3x of what one bar did in terms of like, you know, right around there, two and a half, three x But that's still a lot of money to spend. Primarily like one bars, if you think about them, like Quest is more of a household name. One brand was not. I mean, what, you could go to C stores and get, get one bars. You can go to vitamin shops. Uh, airports would have it. Um, and you'd start to see them like in Targets and stuff too. But Quest was just like more, there's more equity in that name. But it was interesting because Simply Foods took on Quest, like you mentioned, and Hershey's, which is a candy bar company or candy company. Bought a bar company, so there's synergies there, but not. It's not really. They don't, Hershey's, I don't believe, owns anything in their portfolio that's quote unquote like healthy. Maybe they do. I don't know their entire portfolio. No, they actually do. They have they have a ton of acquisitions they've made over the last couple of years to okay. reinvent their portfolio because yeah, they I mean they're a candy confectionery type of company, and that as as an indulgence is not really where you want to be right. uh, for your portfolio. You know, unfortunately. So yeah, Hershey's has bought um, a bunch of different companies. I think off the top of my head. You had like 2015, you had Crave. It's like a meat snack, mm, yep. uh, you know, that type of company. Um, I think you had in, was it 2016? I can't remember. They bought another uh, company, a another Better For You one. And then 2017 was when they made their biggest acquisition. It was Amplify Snack Foods, which is, um, a, it's actually in Austin. I could see the building from where sure. I'm at right now. Um, so they, they owned uh, like Skinny Pop and oh, gotcha. a bunch of other type of brands. And then, just recently, actually, within the last, um, and, and within, I guess, jump back a little bit, Amplify Snacks also owns Oatmega, which is mm. a, a little bit lesser known bar, I it's think, growing. especially the people that are listening to yeah. this. But if you go to um, grocery stores or mass retail, they're there. Um, you can purchase those bars. Um, but they just made an acquisition or, or a, an investment um, last week, uh, Hershey's did, in it's a company called Fulfill. And again, listeners of this might not know who the heck Fulfill is, but they're the leading, I think pretty much the leader or maybe their second leading uh, bar company in Ireland. Okay. Um, so they're, I think they're on track for about $100 million in sales uh, this year. They made a minority investment in there. They do uh, very low um, sugar, high protein bars. Uh, I'm surprised that a company like Glambia in their backyard didn't, you know, try to gobble them up quickly. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where Hershey's is really making a bet on better for you, healthier for you, and especially bars. Now that they have three pretty much major kind of investments or companies they own that are in bars, they're kind of saying, hey, you know, chocolate bars maybe are, are not going to be here long term if, if everybody, you know, is trying to get healthier. But we can make, you know, pseudo chocolate bars mm -hmm. to taste probably better than anybody else in the market. And it could be high protein, better for you. It might not be you know, the cleanest thing you've ever seen in your, in your, you know, in the industry in terms of what we consider sports nutrition, but right. 
taste-wise, I bet you Hershey's can make a pretty damn good protein bar if they put their innovations mind to it. Yeah, or a protein powder with a license on it. You can do. It. Well, I've always, you know, it's, it's interesting too because. I believe the snack bar category when I was back in, in corporate America and we were looking at the nutritional space, like it was growing exponentially crazy and it still is. I mean, everybody, it seems like a new snack bar comes out and it's that whole grab and go and convenience factor that we have is at least here in this country, we're always on the go. Like literally nobody can sit down for a meal anymore. It's either fast food or grab something from a C store. So if you're in that space and it's a better for you option and you can develop an equity in it, you're going to be acquired. And then it's funny because I was talking to, to Mark Loblanger, who we've talked about. You know, we talked about him plenty of times in this podcast before, but he created the Outright Bar. He didn't brand it MTS Nutrition. He branded Outright Bar to appeal to more families, and that baby is growing and growing. And, and there will be a number at some point that somebody's going to offer a mark for that company, and he will sell it uh, because, I mean, that's essentially what you do, and it'll be interesting to see, like, when that actually happens. But, you know, going back to these acquisitions within the space and looking at bigger CPGs, I remember, like, when Post Holdings uh, acquired Dimatize for, of, of things, right? Like, Post Holdings is the holding company that has Post Cereal under it. So just for the listeners listening to this, it's not just a cereal company, but primarily like that was their biggest stake was was Post Cereal and, and what they had there. But And they had not done a whole lot with Dimatize in terms of but that's the that's the part I, I want to talk about because I think it's interesting. Is like when a larger CPG comes in that has maybe multiple brands under the umbrella, you now have that opportunity to cross brand and do some cool things. They had not done that with Dimatize yet, but I have a feeling that's going to change very soon. I think that you'll start seeing actual post cereals on Dimatize protein and some of the Dimatize products coming out because they realize that that is beneficial. I mean, are you surprised that we have not seen? more of that like when like Hershey's for instance like Hershey's acquiring of course they're not gonna do a chocolate covered Crave bar okay I get that but like I mean when they do these acquisitions leveraging the assets that they have in terms of the equity and the brand name that they own across portfolio it's interesting yeah I mean the Dimatize name is is one I, I remember when they purchased um, them I I thought initially that Post would do a bunch of those different things I, th- I thought that they would honestly blow up um, the Dimatize brand as a whole, I had a lot of, I was really bullish on it. And it's really just like fell flat. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they've had any really growth over these last, you know, five or, or so years. And it's interesting because Post, uh, you know, another brand within their portfolio, uh, Premier Protein, yeah. the, uh, you know, ready to drink, uh, pro, they, that is like skyrocketing, you know, mm-hmm. 30% year over year. That's the reason why Post Holdings is actually going to spin off this active nutrition uh, portfolio that has Dimatize and it has uh, Premier uh, Nutrition. You talk about uh, Power Bar, they, that's in their portfolio yep. as well. So there's a bunch of those ones in there, but they're spinning that off because they see such a growth in the uh, Premier Nutrition name. So it's funny, just even in one portfolio, you have one brand that's doing great and one brand that's not you know, doing all that well. But Dimatize, I mean, especially with some of the sports nutrition trends that are happening, you know, being with Ghost Lifestyle, doing license deals and things like that, you have all these available assets to license in your own portfolio. It doesn't cost anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing just lend them to them. Just let, you know what I mean? And, and I understand there's some, um, you know, brand equity, like, you know, you don't want to erode things. You're scared to kind of play in different categories or whatever. But at the end of the day, you own that other asset. And if it's going to help that asset grow, um, you know, it's, it's something that maybe you need to look at. Maybe you don't give them the, the A, a cereal right off the bat, but try it with maybe one of those C you know, brand cereals and see if it, you know, gets some traction. I, even a C brand cereal in the space would probably bring a lot of attention. Like yeah. you guys would be spreading it, price plow be spreading it, you know, stack to be spreading it. Like that's exciting because we're excited for any large CPG brands to attach themselves to our industry, which is why at least I wanted to talk about this subject because 
anytime within one week span you have 1.4 billion dollars in uh, money flowing towards a so-called niche consumer packaged good area right. it's exciting because it validates you it validates me it validates all the stuff that we talk about on our you know you know soapboxes every day about hey there's some legitimate things happening in our industry yeah there's a lot of shit there's a lot of uh you know people that maybe aren't doing things correctly but there's a lot of like really smart people that have worked hard that have built really strong brands mm -hmm. it's just a matter of it, can you see through the trees and find those ones and this just to me is super exciting that's you know if we get any point across this whole podcast it's that this is just generally exciting to me just because it just starts this whole momentum that maybe you know does with mark lobliner's outright bar does something with uh, with Ghost Lifestyle, does something with a bunch of other names that I could probably put out there, but it's just um, it just starts to build this momentum for this industry that has always had shade thrown towards it. It'll be I'm curious now to see from here, right? You had acquisition, acquisition, all within a week, and sometimes things come in waves. And then you look at some of the bigger CPG companies out there that that are essentially going against Simply Foods and going against Hershey's. And if they don't have something in their portfolio, are they going to actively look and overpay for something to keep up? Because that's sometimes what brands will do or, or companies will do. It's like, listen, I need to get in the space, so I'm willing to overpay for something now to get my foot into it. Um, it, it I don't know the ins and outs of the Hershey deal and the Simply Foods deal, but they're not, I don't, they're not like super direct competitors with each other, but I'm sure they wanted their foot in this space. They got two of the, probably the biggest bar brands um, within like traditional sports nutrition protein bars. I, they're probably the two biggest uh, that I can think of. Um, do you, I mean, do you foresee any other sort of domino following here in the next six months that you think that, that sort of aligns with what these two acquisitions were? You know, I think hardcore sports nutrition kind of protein bars, I don't know if, right. you know, I see one of those in the next, you know, whatever. But I think it's kind of important to note if you kind of follow maybe some of the breadcrumbs or whatever, a lot of what's happening is that investors, especially like um, private equity firms, venture funds, um, even like large strategics, uh, a lot of the evaluations of like the tech side, like tech technology companies have kind of gotten like just blown out. They're just mm -hmm. too too high at this point. So a lot of these company, a lot of these like uh, venture, um, you know, capitalists or uh, private equity firms or whatever are now saying, Hey, we need to look at different categories. One of them that is getting some different, maybe like technology layers or getting a lot more mature is consumer products and better for you is kind of where everybody's at. So now they're starting to get investments from a lot of these private equity houses and they're having, you know, venture funds early on in their stage. So when you have people that are investing in your brand, they're eventually going to want to cash out. And right. because of that, they go out and try to search for buyers in a, you know, maybe five, seven, 10 year uh, phase. So what ends up happening is now all of a sudden you have these people that have a lot of connections that now can tap and get other buyers to be interested in these brands that maybe nobody had heard of if they didn't um, have this money behind them and these big names behind them. So, Following some of the breadcrumbs, if you even look at just the uh, the private equity firms or venture funds that were a part of the last two deals of like Quest or uh, One Brands, you have Quest that was uh, backed uh, by VMG Partners. They have a ton of different ones, but one that they, they have currently in their um, portfolio is Ancient Nutrition, which is uh, big on a vitamin shop like mm -hmm. Dr. Axe. Uh, with all of the um, the keto stuff and, and collagen, a bunch of the, those different things. He's 
you know, that maybe is a name that's out there. I don't think he has any bar, bars or anything, but it could right. be a, a sports nutrition name um, to look at. And then the other one with One Brands, they were part of Kavu Ventures. Uh, they have a ton of different names as well, but uh, they were a part, I think right now they still have investments in like Vital Proteins, which another yep. like collagen uh, one, they have it in Bulletproof, which is kind of the godfather brand sure. of keto and <laughs> keto in general. So those could be ones that fall. I think it's going to be probably uh, moving towards maybe some of these fragments. So we talked a lot about like the collagens or the, um, you know, maybe the paleos or the ketos or mm -hmm. whatever. I think you're going to start seeing those um, names start to drop. Like people are going to start to buy those brands up. So that might do some type of a trigger effect with uh, portfolios. You don't get a lot of that kind of competitive vibe in the food or just other like CPG. You really have that in beverage because it's yeah. it's pretty much like a two-man race with mm. Coke and Pepsi. So anytime Coke buys something, Pepsi goes out and buys something. And then maybe Dr. Pepper buys something as well. But it's usually somebody buys something there. The other person always has to go out yeah. and buy and overpay for that. It doesn't happen as much like on the food or just general large CPG because I think they're so diversified in so many different areas that you don't necessarily need to be in a, a protein bar brand. Right. I, you know, I don't know. So, you know, I, I think... Obviously, I pay a lot more attention to this area than you, which uh, gives me a benefit of like saying these things. But what I'm kind of curious, because I think more people might be interested in your thought on this just because you don't follow it as closely. Like if you were looking at some names, like maybe throw out a few names that maybe you think would be interesting that uh, people might want to buy. It could be protein bars, but it could be anything. Yeah. I, mean, I just think that uh, and being that you worked at General Mills, like you understand what makes a really good brand to invest in, not just like a house of card type brand yeah. that you're like, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, you, you just talk beverage, and I think the, the elephant in the room is Bang. I still think that at the end of the day, like Bang is the one out there on this island that is worth all this money that is literally giving Coke a run for their money in terms of the energy drink, and, and they're in the legal battle between Rain and Bang. And you have Pepsi over there on the other side of the island, not with no dog early in the flight, with a lot of money. They just purchased they just purchased Subtle Sport, you know, the muscle milk. So Pepsi has that in their umbrella. So at what point is Bang gonna be acquired? Because I think you've talked about this before. I mean, we it's gonna happen. It has to happen. I can't imagine Jack hangs onto that brand forever. I mean he could, but I just it doesn't make sense to me. Anytime I bring it up, Jack always says it's not selling. So yeah. I don't know if that's just like a ploy. It, you know, he wants to make sure that people know that the price is gonna need to be pretty high. But at this point, like you're looking in the the B, the billions yeah. with the with a bang acquisition. So I mean I don't know. Before that thing starts to like show some cracks, I'd I'd sell that thing as quick as possible and just relax and and just be Jack Oak and just you know just be as flamboyant as crazy as possible and, and have all the money to to do whatever you want with it. So, yeah, I, I mean that that's the one that I'm still surprised it has not sold. I mean, but the continual growth and like I said, I mean even though he hates Coke at this point, if Coke offered him enough money for it, he'd probably sell to them. If Pepsi offers enough money, he'd sell Dr Pepper, whoever it might be, or somebody maybe that we're not even thinking of. Um, could offer enough money, but that's the biggest one there. I also, in terms of like, you know, I, I've always looked at Redcon too, and I've told Aaron this, like, when are you going to sell? At what point you, I mean, people who get in the business typically get in the business most to eventually sell one day. Like, that's what a lot of people will say. And Aaron's got this company that's almost a six figure, that's almost a hundred million dollar company at some point. I know he's thinking about it. Like, I know it in his head, he's like, at what point do I sell? So, not necessarily like small little niche brands that you may not have heard about there, but these are big brands that I think at some point are probably going to offload and go. Now, with Aaron, he just came out with Redcon 1 Outdoors, which is an extension of the brand, so he's sort of diversifying what he's doing with the brand name in general. Um, he's, there's a rumor that he mentioned online that he might start doing some Redcon 1 gym, so maybe he won't sell, but um, it, it would not surprise me if he offloaded that. Um, 
The other one, and this is new, and we didn't talk about it. It's not really like, but the Ultimate Nutrition closing that just happened, like that's a pretty big brand equity name, I think, overseas. Maybe not so much here in America anymore. Um, they, I mean, for those listening that don't know anything about Ultimate Nutrition, like they had the color purple. They actually were a title sponsor of Olympia a couple of years ago. They had guys like Phil Heath, Dexter Jackson. They had, I mean, they overpaid for them, but they had a lot of. And from what I was told, is they were their revenue was up from last year. They had they were going through a rebrand, and then we don't really know all the details of what happened there. But at some point that brand might become available for sale depending on whatever happens in the legal situation that I would think someone can see maybe some equity into it and acquiring it and however that works. You might know better than I do in terms of that. Like if, if a brand goes out of business due to legal issues, is that brand available for purchase from other brands within the space? You know, I would imagine that they probably have, you know, some debt and things. So they probably sell the assets to whoever, you know, probably a bid. Um, and then they would pay back all the, uh, people that are owed money, you know, suppliers and, and different people like that. Maybe there's some um, even some retirement funds and things like that that probably need to get paid out to employees and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's uh, probably go up for open bid. It, it it would have some value, not to what we're talking about with like large no. um, CPG strategics or whatever. This would be somebody probably in sports nutrition that knows how to operate a sports nutrition brand, can pick it up for pretty cheap and then run it through uh, international and, and maybe try to you know do something in the U.S., but it's probably an international brand that you could probably pick up you know mm-hmm. ten or twenty million dollars a year in revenue and just really foster those relationships and kind of bleed uh, the legacy name as, as long as you can. Yeah, and otherwise I'd say like to your point, the vital proteins or like the collagen, bone broth type things, keto. I, I can't think of a brand off the top of my head, but those were the ones that we were looking at too when I was in big CPG. It's like where are we not today? Where where do we see growth? And does it make more sense for us to either create an in-house brand or just go purchase one? And and ninety percent of the time it was easier for us to go out and purchase one, uh, or at least or at least we had a you know a portion or a leg of General Mills, which was our, basically our our venture venture capitalist arm of General Mills, in which we would invest in companies, help them get large, and then take a buyout and let them go and do their own thing. So that's really like the area that you see a lot of growth still today, especially in like your Walmart, your Targets, and your grocery store. They're getting more and more shelf space because more and more people are asking for collagen. They're asking for keto, even though whether or not you believe in keto or not, like it's it's still growing and people are still, brands are still coming out and they're still growing that, you know, some of these big CPGs, what people don't understand is like something that takes a company like... Say a company's worth like ten million dollars, their time to market or their time to get something done is like that, pretty quick. In a big company that you have all these policies and processes you need to go through, it could take eighteen months for something. Like for instance, for me when I was launching a product, it took me eighteen months minimum from ideation to in market. That's a long time. When my competitors who are smaller than me were launching things in a month, two months, three months, because they could just move more quickly and they didn't have the eyes of the FDA and all these other governing um, agencies looking at them because they didn't, they didn't, FDA didn't care about those guys. They cared about the big guys like us. So it just, it does change the way you want to come out with things if you're a big CPG. So a lot of times it's just easier for you to go acquire somebody who did all the work already. That way you can bring it in house and take care of it. Yeah. So, I mean, is there a brand that you think that's on the verge of, I mean, we, we touched on bang. Is there anyone out there within our space that you think is attractive to a big CPG company at this point? I mean, I think, you know, some of the names we threw out before, but I think it's going to be those names that are these, I don't want to, I don't want to call them like new age type of, of sports uh, nutrition or nutritional supplement brands. So I'm thinking, you know, the ancient nutrition, I think, uh, vital proteins, I think, uh, perfect keto. Um, I think, uh, names like that probably are going to be um, gobbled up here pretty soon. I think it's just a matter of time. A lot of them have some really strong traction. They have some really good operators. They have just 
a lot of the things that a large CPG would love to get their hands on and in a category that's growing a lot faster than their traditional categories. It just looks good. Um, as long as they could pur purchase them for a, a good price, they right. probably will. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'd love to see, you know, a name like Bang or something go uh, just because I think the number that would be thrown out there would be something that would extremely validate uh, the space is you, you can foster a brand within the sports and fitness space and grow it into a massive a billion dollar type of a brand. You don't have too many of those outside of like vitamin companies that have mm -hmm. that have you know fetched these billion dollar type of acquisitions. Outside of that, you don't you don't really have those names that you can point to. That's more of an edgier sports name that you could be like, man, they. I remember when I bought them at my local whatever supplement shop, and I think a lot of people take pride in that mm -hmm. um, if it happens. So I mean. I don't know if it ever will will happen. Hopefully it does, but um, you know that's one that I, I always kind of keep an eye on and try to you know keep my ears open to just in case uh, some type of news is out there. It's just it's interesting how the shift has happened within our space. For the longest time, it was sports nutrition companies basically buying up sports nutrition companies like High Tech buying up iForce and those different brands, and Glombia buying whoever or Nutribolt buying whoever, um, you know buying FitJoy or whatever it might be. And now it's like these big massive giants are coming into this space saying it's our turn to play. And you don't see many sports nutrition brands acquiring other sports nutrition brands anymore. It just doesn't happen. It's almost easier to create a new brand and use digital marketing and, and create equity and value that way versus paying for somebody's assets. But the big CPG firms are looking at this as an attractive space, and it's very exciting for us because it keeps us going. You know, Like you mentioned before, it validates what we're doing. It's an important space, and what we say and what we, the work that we do is important. So it's pretty sweet. I'd love to hear from you guys out there too, uh, whether it be on Facebook, wherever. I mean, you can find us on Facebook, Two Guys, One Shaker Cup. Make sure you hit the, the follow button there and the like button there. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Comment on YouTube as well. We'd love to hear, like I said, if you guys have any ideas on the acquisitions or mergers that happen within this space from big CPG or even within the space in small sports nutritional companies because it's exciting and it's been an exciting week for you, Josh. I know you cover this stuff pretty closely. So two big acquisitions, like you mentioned, at $1.4 billion. That's a lot to talk about. And uh, the engagement on your posts were massive. You know, People were very excited about it. And I think, if anything, it gets others within this space super excited because they're their heads start spinning a little bit. Like, wait, yeah. what can I start to get for my stuff? Um, and that's what that's what really excites people to keep driving forward. So, good stuff this week, brother. Yeah, no, this is a good episode. So, um, just as always, I mean, if if anybody, you know, we always kind of mention, you know, follow us and do all these types of things. But we really do enjoy if if you guys have ideas for episodes, if you guys have anything. I mean, we would love to kind of hear and, and obviously create content that you guys would enjoy. As well, I know we have a laundry list of subjects that we want to cover between uh, Ryan and I, but uh, anything that seems important to our, our community is, is obviously important to us as well. So. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.